Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast where your host, Ryan Tansom, brings you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. This is episode 145. If you want to know how to change your business, make more money, change the world, and make a really big impact to your employees and your customers, you have to listen to today's episode. Today's guest name is Ben Vanden Mellenberg. And Ben is the owner of Woodchuck USA that is a multi-million dollar wood manufacturer. He is the new author of a book called The World Needs Your Fucking Ideas. And just as a little side note, there is definitely some curse words in this episode. So I apologize, but we were in the groove and Ben and I were very, very authentic and real in this. And the whole mission and the whole purpose that Ben is bringing to the world is he found out what his why was in college when he created his company. And he's taken that why that Simon Sinek helped him figure out, which is to bring nature to people and then help change the world. And he has taken that and totally blew the roof off of it by implementing a social cause to his company. So they buy one and plant one. So every single wood product that they produce and make, they plant a tree. So he's planted over 2 million trees in the last few years on almost every single continent. And he is absolutely, I think their, their goal is 10 million trees. But he also wrote this book because he wants the people that are out there that are entrepreneurs to help change their business and impact people by implementing social entrepreneurship. But he also wants people to really start a business with a cause. And I think for anybody out there that's thinking that this is mushy gushy or it's intangible or what this is, what's this all about? I really believe, and so does Ben and a lot of people out there that social entrepreneurship is not only the wave of the future, but it's the way to make a bunch of money and solve a lot of the problems that are big challenges in companies today. Everybody's having challenges engaging millennials or figuring out how to sell more to their customers or engage with their customers. And this whole cause has so many different implications to the future of your business. And not only what is it worth, but why do you have people engage? Why do people get up and work for you? And why do people buy from you? absolutely had a blast in this episode. So without further ado, here's my episode with Ben. This episode of Life After Business is sponsored by GEXP Collaborative. Their proven process gives you clarity on all of your exit options and how those options impact your financial success, timing, and future happiness. Sell your company on your time frame to the buyer of your choice at the price you want. Ben, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, pumped to have you on the show. Uh, you just got done with your big book launch, uh, and we uh, both use a good friend of ours, Zach at Scribe, so shout out to him. But uh, I, I got to say, man, when we sat down, it was one of the funnest meetings I had in a while because I don't, there was enough uh, air, uh, oxygen in the room for both of us. So we'll uh, awesome, hopefully yeah. give most of you, um, you most of the oxygen here. And for the people that don't know about Woodchuck USA and your story, let's, let's go back. Like, how uh, you know, how did you become an entrepreneur and what's the business that you're in today? Yeah, totally. So, um, and I'll, I'll, uh, apologize on the front end. My voice is still half gone from the, from the, from the book launch. So if I squeak, like I'm going through puberty, uh, <laughs> please forgive that. But, uh, yeah, no, so started the company. I was a senior in, in college at the university of Minnesota. I went to school for architecture. Um, was working a couple jobs to pay for school and, one of the jobs that I worked, I basically built models for an architecture company. Um, and I would go in late at night after cheer practice, and I'd go basically cut out wood stickers and stick them onto these plexiglass frames and build these incredible 
uh, architectural models. Well, one day rollerblading, I ate shit and uh, <laughs> shattered my iPhone four and decided, Hey, I need to do something about this. I don't keep stabbing my face with glass. So I ended up just cutting out a wood sticker. I stuck it on my phone, the front and the back, started kind of showing buddies here and there. And I got to cheer practice the next day. My buddy was like, Hey dude, can you make one of those for my phone? And I'll give you a case of beer. And I was like, Fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, <it's> done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, literally had no intentions, you know, of starting a business or having a bunch of employees or planting trees all over the world. I, I literally was just getting a case of beer. I mean, there was nothing <laughs> really major to that. So just kind of made them here and there. Ended up bringing on a friend, you know, after a couple months of making these things here and there. And, and started kind of selling them into like bookstores and stuff like that. But but when I was about to graduate, I ended up, I worked really, really hard. Ended up graduating at the top of my class. I had two full rides to go to grad school, one to MIT, one to Colorado. And I asked at the time, both of my architecture mentors, I said, hey, should I start this business or should I go to grad school? And both of them said, go start the business. You're going to learn more in two years than you ever will uh, in grad school. So that's what I did. I turned down the scholarships and uh, my buddy and I, Kevin and I, with no business experience, uh, started a business. I love it. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the start of it. And, and so that was how many years ago? That was in 2012. So that was yeah. seven years ago. And right now, how many employees do you guys have? And maybe kind of give the full, full kind of suite of uh, services and the products that you guys have. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, now what we do um, is we are one of the world's largest socially responsible wood product manufacturers. We design and manufacture hundreds of thousands of products every single day, ranging from custom wood journals to custom wood paneling. We do architectural interiors. We do stationery, all different types of products. A lot of what we do is corporate gifting. We put companies' logos on uh, products like a wood journal, for example, we might put the Bank of America logo on a wood journal and ship that out to 10,000 of their employees. Or we might, you know, put the Nike logo on 20,000 business card holders and ship that out to all of their employees. Or make the world's biggest pickle. <laughs> or make the world's largest wooden pickle. Yes, that is absolutely accurate. Uh, for the um, listeners, I was sitting in Ben's office and all of a sudden I'm like, what's that? And it looks like the it looked like a table, and he's like, "It's a pickle," and I was like, "You're right, <laughs> it's a pickle." <laughs> that is a super random. Yeah, that's for my burger. The guys over at my burger. Um, so if they're listening to this, uh, thanks guys for the order on the pickle. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no. So we 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 basically put wood on all kinds of things, and where the company really took a turn, you know. So we when to answer your question more thoroughly, you know, we are a multi-million dollar wood products manufacturer. We have almost 50 employees now here based in Minnesota, all American made manufacturing. This is where we do all of our manufacturing. As of the end of today, we'll be FSC certified and we'll have planted over almost 2 million trees on six different continents through our buy one, plant one program that we started about two years ago, which is just like it sounds for every product we make, we plant the tree. But really where we took off and really kind of where we turned a corner was when we sat down and we watched a Simon Sinek TED Talk called Start With Why. And the, yep, yep. the actual title of the TED Talk is Great Leaders Inspire Action. But um, that sitting down with Kevin at the time at my ghetto South Minneapolis house, uh, which was in, in my living room, which was also our office, we watched this TED Talk and realized, hey, we don't want to put 
We, we don't want to make wood foam cases the rest of our lives. We want to figure out how do we put nature back into people's lives and how do we bring jobs back to the U.S. Those were, those were kind of our core mm-hmm. pieces. And neither one of those things, frankly, has anything to do with wood foam cases. Mm-hmm. It, it could, but that's what we kind of came up with as like a passion thing. And that's really where it like so went we, we, did, you, did you do that, Ben, prior? And you can tell the story about how you decided to do the buy one plant. Was that prior to then determining? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Kind of explain the maybe the leads up to you know your whole experience and when you had the aha kind of moment. Yeah. So so basically that happened. We kind of sat down and realized, hey, this company needs a vision. You know, needs a mission, and this is kind of our core to who we are. This is our why, and this is why we're going to start this business. We want to figure out how to connect people to nature. So we did that, and in the beginning, it was literally just by making wood products and you know, helping people have a reminder of kind of that natural uh, product in their hands um, as a reminder of kind of nature and daily life. Um, whether that was a wood journal or a wood pen or a wood phone case, you know, it was kind of that reminder. Mm-hmm. Well, with our focus, by setting that as our why, our continued focus was always on how do we connect people with nature? How do we connect people with nature? How do we connect people with nature? Mm-hmm. Which led to um, kind of this continuous thought of how do we do that? And led to our buy one plant one program, which started, uh, I believe in 2016. Well, and explain, explain, you know, your running story is kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. 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 It's like, I mean, yeah. I think it's huge when you described like how you actually came up with that. Yeah. Before. So yeah, we were out in San Francisco, uh, Kevin and I on a sales trip. And, um, I always, whenever I'm out traveling for work, I always love, uh, kind of getting out and into nature for a little bit and checking out like the national parks that are close by or whatever. So I ended up uh, going for a run in this beautiful, beautiful park in San Francisco, huge, you know, 80 foot tall, 100 foot tall trees. Went for a couple mile run. And as I was coming back up, I looked at this sign and the sign had said, basically the whole forest that I had just run through wasn't there a hundred years ago. And that some guy decided, some super rich dude back in the day, decided (laughs) to, to plant this area that I just ran through. And I was like, Holy fucking shit. <laughs> that is really cool. Like that wasn't there. Now it is. Doing this. That wasn't there. Now it is. I can be doing this. Our company could be doing this on a global scale. If we just maybe plant a tree for every product we sell. So I looked that, that day I was like, buy one, plant one. We got to do it. And at first I was a little skeptical and I've always kind of been skeptical to one for one, just because a lot of people have done it, you know, but at the end of the day, there's a reason why a lot of people have done it. It's because it works. It's simple. Mm-hmm. It's a clear cut message. Uh, so people can understand what you're talking about and what it is that you're doing. So initially we were like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like we'll plant a tree for every product we sell. And we you know, really focused on developing a lot of IP around that to protect ourselves. But uh, we, fo- we focused on that, launched it and realized within the first like month that, you know, cause we we're like, Oh, okay, cool. We'll plant a couple thousand or maybe 10,000 trees a year. Well, when it really, picked up we were like holy shit we got to plant like 10,000 trees a day Uh, (laughs) the whole business in itself so we had to yeah i mean literally it is um we had to really develop this entire program which has been kind of my focus around how do we have a global impact with our planting program what are the criteria of the planting program how do we make this uh something that has can and does have a global impact Mm -hmm. we kind of set out on this this vision and this journey of being able to plant in every continent Mm-hmm. which we achieved 
about a year after the Buy One Plan program started, which was incredible. I mean, we thought it would take us years to be mm-hmm. able to do this. Technically, we did not plant on Antarctica. Uh, we tried. Uh, we were <laughs> going to. We planted in Ushuaia, which is basically the southernmost tip of where we could plant. But uh, we were successful with that, and we kind of repositioned our strategy this last year to be focusing more on local involvement and kind of in micro micro communities and micro communities. Well, yeah. So what what I want to do, Ben, is I want to dive into, um, you know, why you decided to do that. And then also what, you know, what your hesitation was with the buy one plant. Because like maybe, you know, start from the top because, you know, for the listeners, we've got a wide spectrum of listeners from baby boomers to millennials, all the different kind of uh, uh, entrepreneurs that are out there. And there's a lot of uh, everybody in a lot of these business groups that I'm in, like, the, the older owners sometimes bitch about millennials going, hey, everybody wants a purpose. Everybody wants a purpose. But the reality is there's a lot of truth to that, right? I mean, Tom's Shoes and Patagonia, you can kind of explain some of that. But you and I really hit it off when we were talking about conscious capitalism and then yeah. also social responsibility, but how you're tying that to that why. So I just maybe just give a broad brushstroke on your your articulation of social entrepreneurship, conscious capitalism, and then yeah. how that is into the, into the bottom line and what you're doing. I mean... To be straight up, uh, you know, all these guys are saying, oh, oh, everyone wants a purpose. Everyone's because they fucking do. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so do it. You know what I mean? Like we do. Uh, millennials and, and the younger generation, we want to understand from coworkers to consumers. We want to know that what we're doing is having an impact. I mean, that's just the fact. Because right. right. like, if you and, can buy any think about it from a consumer's perspective, right? If you can buy one thing versus the other, like, wh- like what's the point? It's all commodities, right? I mean, like. Right. And, and honestly, you know, and even in a lot of cases, you know, there's a lot of research out there that says uh, people will pay more for products with a purpose. Now, I don't know how much I, 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 you know, maybe they'll pay 5% more, but when I, when you're talking 40, 50% more, um, I don't know if, People are that dedicated to the purpose. You know, some mm-hmm. of them are. There's probably a small amount that are, but it's almost expected uh, today in products and from consumers, at least the younger demographic. Personally, I think it's great. I mean, I think that's great. I think even if I had to start a new company today, I would want to start one with a purpose because what? Why else? Why else start a business? In my opinion, and, and maybe you're about to get to it, but is uh like. A lot of, I think a lot of people feel anxiety of like, how do I find a purpose? Which is sad, sad when people don't know how to like literally zero in and figure out what their purpose is or their business's purpose is. But like, you know, what, how do you tie that purpose, that vague concept into something that's, you know, applicable and like, you know, so you got the buy one plant one, there's things like the, the double bottom line, triple bottom line or B Corp yeah. 20%. So yeah. how did you navigate all those world, that whole world to, to get what you're at and what are your thoughts on like what people are dealing with? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think it, it was definitely ideal for us to sit down in the very early stages of the company and say, you know, hey, this is our purpose. This is our why. This is what we want to accomplish in the world. It is definitely more difficult than I would fully understand how it'd be more difficult for, you know, a 30 year old manufacturer, or 30 year old company to kind of revive themselves and say, this is our purpose. But it, it's been done millions of times and it can be done and it can be done very well. It's clear went to to consumers when you're a large company and you just kind of half attach yourself to like a cause and be like, oh, this is our why, but it's not actually. I mean, it's like super blatantly obvious. Consumers can see right through that. But I mean, at the end of the day, it can be done. You can develop a why. You know, I actually had a, a consulting company. So I've been starting to do over... 
that one of the main purposes of launching my book, uh, The World Needs Your Fucking Ideas, is to help other companies attain this kind of social message and understand that a triple bottom line can be more profitable than a bottom line. And one of the companies that that, um, I'm going to be doing some consulting for is a company that helps implement nuclear strategy in Japan. So like they basically, after the tsunami, night, I think all of the uh, uh, nuclear plants sh- shut down and a lot of the cores melted. This mm-hmm. is just for my limited understanding of the business so far. We've talked once, I can meet with them next week. So, I mean, first off, I know nothing about nuclear energy. I mean, I know a little bit, but like, I'm not a nuclear scientist for fucking sure. And, uh, <laughs> but what I am is I do understand that, that what they could connect with are, are opportunities of what they could frame that why around. You know, a lot of the people in their company, they essentially, have, they're helping go back into these nuclear plants and help implement responsible procedures. So if another tsunami does happen, another earthquake does happen, that the whole thing doesn't just collapse mm-hmm. um, and shut down. So, I mean, totally crazy, but they're like, you know, the one of the things we really want to implement, we want to figure out is this kind of why or what, you know, that, so we can have an advantage against our competitor because the, the person who's in charge of these things more so now moving in Japan, are, they care about that as well. So it's okay. Well, <coughs> excuse me. So it's okay. Well, what, why, why are you guys doing what you're doing? You know, mm-hmm. why, why, are, why would you want to even help them in the first place? And you can, by kind of diving into the individual whys, you can kind of form a collective why most mm-hmm. of the time. At mm-hmm. least I've seen, you know, very few times have, has no one's had any uh, uh, understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. And you can usually tie that collective why back to, well, you can usually tie the individual whys back to a collective why that it, everyone shares and is super organic and seems mm-hmm. natural. So, so um, well, as I yeah. said, then maybe to tie that. So let's take that, that train of thought, Ben, and go, so we got the individual whys to a collective why we're, okay, we're, we're, we're rallying around this purpose over, you know, purpose bigger than the company and the people, right? So then how do you take that and then drive that down. And, and before you get into like ways of, I want to get to how do you articulate, you know, buy, buy one, plan one. What are the different variations of how you can implement social entrepreneurship into the business besides just the one for one? But before you do that and kind of give you some of your ideas on how you get to that, can you maybe for the listeners that are not familiar with it, just give your articulation of the double bottom line, the triple bottom line and how that actually makes sense. And then why you believe that that makes a company more profitable. Yeah, I totally can. Um, so in, in, in my knowledge, it's going to be based on the demographic that we sell to. So, you know, there are, there are for sure still companies out there that are selling to uh, demographics that aren't either they aren't familiar with or don't necessarily care uh, about social entrepreneurship, which, um, you know, I mean, I think in the next five to 10 years will completely change. Every business will have to have some type of social cause, um, some type of, uh, uh, you know, purpose behind it. I mean, yeah, social component to it. Um, I, I think it will just be become a complete necessity for a hundred percent of companies, but in, in our business specifically, um, how it impacted in how, how it impacted our ability to grow and our ability to, to, you know, be the size that we are now was the ability to communicate what the passion was in that the directness on our social mission. Our social mission was to connect people with nature, put nature back into people's lives and bring jobs back to the U.S. That was our social mission. Mm-hmm. Planting trees is a great way to protect the environment and make sure that nature still exists so people can enjoy it. 
that's something that's pretty easy to understand by implementing that and communicating that very clearly, which are very clear communication is buy one, plant one. Consumers are able to make that connection easier and quicker in their minds and they're, they, they will buy into the product or they will buy the product because it is easy to understand. They understand the cause, they understand the mission, they obviously understand the product mm-hmm. um, and, they're, and then they're willing to buy it. Mm-hmm. So with that, and so maybe from a financial perspective, that from the skeptics that are out there, because I I totally believe it, right? You and I have totally rallied around this stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I totally hundred percent also agree with the five to ten years out. It's going to have to be a table stakes because if I'm going to buy promo products for my client, like I'm choosing between you and two thousand other people out there, right? So I might as yeah. well buy something I like, but it was because someone that believes what I believe. Kind of going, but I don't know if you're from yep. Seth, Seth Godin, but he's like. You, you buy things from people that believe what you believe. And, you know, Simon Sinek also says the same thing, but, yeah. you know, so yes, that generates more profit. So let's say, you know, you're generating more cash because you're going to have to fund the operations of planting 2 million trees, right? So that's, right. Hard. but then can you maybe in, if, if there's not a, enough detail that you're, that you have right on hand, but like the double bottom line, triple bottom line, these are things that get rolled out. So is it like, you know, I think in B Corps, and this is from my understanding, B Corps allocate 20% of their profits, right? And management has some say over that, but there's different ways to actually like engineer how that money is getting allocated or how, because like you're going to have additional cost structures to do this. So, you know, yeah, it's all feel good, but then like, like financially, what does this do? So yeah, hopefully particularly people are buying more, but you understand the question? Yeah, totally, totally. So yeah, I mean, from a technical and practical standpoint, you know, so if I'm, if I'm uh, the CEO of a 30 year old manufacturing company that didn't have a social mission before, and I'm making seven to 10% uh, to the bottom line, I'm going to be skeptical too, you know, of, okay, well, how is this actually going to help me? Right. Mm-hmm. Which is good. I mean, you should be. Yeah. So for, from our perspective and for, for us specifically, <clears throat> the triple bottom line and the ability to broadcast a message of sustainability that we're actually doing um, for sure is, is the biggest driver is on the top line. Clearly it's going to cost more money to fund a program that we didn't have before, or that let's just say there's a, a, a woodchuck knockoff that doesn't have a social mission that makes wood products. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have the cost of planting trees. They're not going to have the cost of intellectual property on all the trademarks and all the copyrights that we have to get. They're not going to have all of these extra costs. However, without those things, without the cost of you know IP and protecting ourselves, we would have had our brand stolen already. Without the cost of actually planting trees, we would not be the size we are because about 75% of our deals come in because specifically of the buy one, plant one program. Hmm. So yes, we would be without a social mission. We'd be about 25% of the size we are. We'd be still growing, but growing slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have some profit. Uh, yeah, no, I think it, 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 it's, it's so important because I think it really comes down to also understanding like the, the, so I mean, it's just, it, it, it's almost one of those things where you and I just both kind of go duh. Right. But it, I think the biggest challenge you, you do see is the people that have to reinvent themselves when they're already squeaking. The reinventing, I think is for sure. I mean, the reinventing yeah. would be the tough thing. I mean, I, you know, we work with a lot of old manufacturers that don't have a social cost and that's actually what gets me super jacked up. That's why, you know, when we talked, we got super jacked up about that, that, mm-hmm. that I got super jacked up about that because there's an opportunity, you know, with this new wave. And like I said, you know, some, you know, as you know, too, there's a lot of manufacturers that don't right now because they don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's still buyers that really, 
hey, some buyers don't care. You know, uh, okay, cool. You donate some money. I don't really care. Um, but you know what's interesting? Our, our demo cares. Well, your demo cares, but here's the reality. Like whether people believe it or not, and this is what you and I and uh, our friend Jason was talking about is that millennials are literally a bigger cohort than the boomers, right? So the boomers are now retiring. Our buying power in corporate America and or with our salaries is going to supersede theirs if it hasn't already. So like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> literally... I have seen random freaking products being shown up in my house because my wife is on this kick. I mean, I'm no longer using, you know, Tide and I'm no longer using Windex and I've got like random like shampoo shit, all the stuff that my mom bought me when I was five that I've been buying for 30 years, 30 past years. It's now no longer there because she's got this whole, like, it matters. I'm like, well, that's thousands of dollars of shit that I'm buying every yeah. month that's it's no longer getting yep. anymore. Yep. <laughs> So explain your book, man. Like what, what was the purpose behind the book? What is, what are the fucking ideas that we all need to be uh, spewing? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the book, uh, the world needs your fucking ideas. Um, it came up about a year and a half ago. Um, when, well, when I re realized that I needed to actually write a book it was like a year and a half ago, but through the past seven years, I've, I've been very, very fortunate with this company. I've, I've gotten to travel to all seven continents, over 30 countries. Um, I met some fucking incredible people with incredible ideas, you know, people in, in Africa that have ideas for water purification, uh, people in uh, Svalbard that are interested in, in uh, seed, seed restoration and seed vaults, uh, you know, there's like incredible, incredible ideas. And I realized, you know, and as an entrepreneur, as I'm sure you get to like, people come up to you asking, oh, hey, I got this idea. I got this idea. Right. You know, everyone fucking does that. Um, <laughs> Which is great. I mean, which is great. And uh, what I realized is so many people weren't doing their ideas. I mean, so, so many people weren't doing their ideas. And I was like, why the fuck are people doing their ideas? There's some really great ideas. You know, I really think, I truly believe that today on this planet, if all of the humans that had ideas implemented those ideas, we would solve all of our world problems. I would agree with that. And, and so I said, well, why the fuck aren't people doing them? So I, I kind of started <laughs> diving, diving into it. And, and they kind of came up with three uh, common perceived limitations or perceived misconceptions. Um, and the first one was that, hey, I, I can't be an entrepreneur. I need a couple million bucks to uh, start a business, which we don't. Um, you know, in, in my book, I take, I take it through, hey, I was a broke-ass farm kid. I, I grew up with no money. I worked my ass off to get, pay myself through college. Um, and, and I was able to start multiple multi-million dollar businesses. There's, so there's no excuse there. The second one was, oh, I don't have enough schooling. I need I need to go to Harvard and get my MBA from Harvard, Harvard in order to start a start a business, and that's bullshit too. <laughs> I went to architecture school. I knew nothing about business. I don't even know what the fucking invoice was uh, when I started the business. Seriously, like, wait a second. I need to get that money back, so I'm going to send this yeah, yeah, yeah. paper that's called an invoice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so anyway, you know. And then the final one was. People just really didn't know what was the next step to take. I mean, they literally just didn't know, you know, what, what is the next step? Just kind of like for me right now, you know, I'm, I'm on this new journey of being an author and speaking all over the place. A lot of the shit, I just actually don't know what the fuck else, what is the next step? So, I've, you know, I've gotten mentors that, hey, this, these are the next steps you take. This is how you do it. So anyway, I walked through, there's 14 chapters and I walked through a lot of the shit that I learned in business. I talk about real life stories. I talk about, you know, the first time I got sued, the first retail store that we got into and all these like things that most entrepreneurs don't talk about mm -hmm. um, because I want to make it real. Like I'm yeah. a real fucking dude. I'm not like some 
superstar, crazy entrepreneur that Ivory is Tower. Yep, yep. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm a fucking farm kid from Wisconsin. <laughs> and it, that's who I still am. And I just happen to have, uh, uh, you know, figure out how to make socially responsible businesses work and help the planet. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to help. And what I realized in kind of the main tipping point for me was, well, one, I just like to be busy. And, and but uh, two was, you know, I realized that, okay, cool. What we're doing here with Woodchuck is great. We're planting millions of trees all over the, all over the world. But in order to have like 10x, uh, you know, impact or 100x impact, it's not going to happen by building one company. In order to have 100x impact, I have to help other people start their own Woodchucks to have the type of impact that I can have. And I, and I, and I felt like I had a calling, you know, hey, that, that I need to write this fucking book. I need to get out and be speaking to people and help other people start these start these businesses like Woodchuck so we can truly solve the world's problems. Do you think is it, you know, is it solve um is it helping people start businesses or do you think where, where's the bigger opportunity? Helping people start businesses or helping people yeah. reinvent current businesses or I, I think it's I think it's this. And, and because it's not all the time just starting businesses. And this is the thing that I'm realizing, you know, doing doing more speaking and everything like that on this and, and really talking through it and a lot of these podcasts and stuff is, is actually this 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 kind of phrase that I'm gonna, you know, you know, I, that I've that I've coined and already started developing the IP around as well, is releasing your inner entrepreneur. Because for some people, they should work a nine to five job. That that's their fucking deal, and that that is good for them, and they enjoy that, and that's fantastic, and that's their happy zone. Uh, but they do still have an idea, and they they um, you know maybe maybe it's starting a kind of a uh, once a month trash cleanup in the parks or or on the streets or whatever it is, and, and maybe they've kind of had that you know idea or whatever to start that, and it may it might not be starting a business, it might just be once a month facilitating some kind of group meetup to clean up trash or something like that. For some people, it might be starting a business, but releasing your inner entrepreneur and not dying, not going to the grave with the ideas that you have in your head is the number one biggest opportunity. And it's, a, and it's an opportunity for businesses too. And kind of this is going to be the core of, of you know, people I'm speaking to is going to be going into corporations and saying, it will benefit your bottom line if your employees are more entrepreneurial and they are continuously thinking, how can we make this better? How can we do this better? How can we improve this? Even if it's a small thing, even if it's, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm a worker on the manufacturing line and the boxes come to me this way and they go out this way. But if they went up just slightly more this way, it would take 13 and a half less minutes um, to do that. We, we should do that. Was that in, um, was it in Conscious Capitalism, Ben, or maybe it was a different book I read recently where like one of the coolest ideas I've heard is this, uh, this CEO of this company was 700 million. I think it was like a chip manufacturer or something like that, like an actual like um, mechanical electronic chips, right? Um, and it was $700 million when he got in charge. And then it, he turned into a three and a half billion dollar company. And wow. he was like, he was, well, I got a lot of problems. And he goes, and I have like tens of thousands of employees. He started posting his problems for the, on the internet. He's like, by the way, here's all the shit I'm dealing with. Who can help me? And he had like tens of thousands of people giving him ideas to fix this shit. And he's like, now I was just doing and implementing what everybody told me to do. And it was just like, yeah, that's a good idea. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that, that cool? Yeah. yeah. It's like, and cause you know, trying to pretend like you've got all the answers. It's like, it's total bullshit, man. Like, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you don't have all the answers and, and it's, it's interesting. Are you, are you uh, so Shauna Kaur wrote this book called the happiness advantage. 
and his definition of happiness. And I see this, and that's the kind of the premise of this podcast, right? Is a lot of these entrepreneurs sell their business and they completely die because your business becomes, it's so infused with your identity. You can if Woodchuck just disappeared tomorrow. You'd have to rebuild your platform and your identity. Yeah. It's just so infused. But yeah. so Shana Kaur says that happiness is defined as the joy you feel in pursuit of your fullest potential. So it's not a thing. It's yeah. like this whole, and I, I believe there's a couple other books that kind of validate this, but it's like we as humans want to create. And if we're, yeah. not, if we're not creating, we actually don't get to experience ourselves because you, like you need relativity yeah. in the world. Yeah. So if you and I yeah. have this engagement, then like I know more about myself, right? So yeah. you have to get out there and like, so creation, which is at the heart of entrepreneurship, is like experiencing yourself and therefore is happiness. But if like, if you, if you eliminate this shit, it's like, then all of a sudden you're dying. And like, I think that's what, like what you're doing is like, dude, okay. How fulfilling is making steel rods for people? I mean, come on. Like, yeah. like, it, yeah. like really be serious. Right. Like, so yeah, you might be doing 2 million in profit, but like, are you really that happy? Like, come on. You have to like have something else that's enjoyable. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the opportunity that you and I had talked about too. And I think there's, there's a huge opportunity because 10 or 15 years from now, the, the millennials will be the buyers for steel rods and uh, they're going to have an option. They can buy steel rods from steel rod guy, or they can buy steel rods that uh, provide steel rods for Ugandan buildings or bridges or houses or whatever the percent of their profits help build, you know, donate steel rods to Ugandan buildings that are going to be structurally sound. And where are they going to buy from? They're going to buy from the fucking guy that's giving 1% of his profits to the Ugandan people to build their shit. <laughs> well, if you're, if you're an owner of a company right now that is already stuck in the ways, right? So what would you do to take your book's philosophy of like all these people have ideas and the fact that you're trying to find your winer person? How would, like, what's actionable if you're stuck with 50 employees and you're making the steel rods? Like, what do you do? Like, how do you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's engaging the employees. I mean, I, I have sat with, uh, you know, people, we work with a lot of manufacturers with our product because a lot of times we are assembling our product onto other products. We're yeah, a lot of yeah. interesting, basically our wood onto other products to have a value added. And these people seriously have great fucking ideas. I mean, literally, <laughs> like people on our line have, I'm not even kidding. I mean, they have incredible ideas on how to make stuff more efficient, more effective. Um, better, less waste. I mean, they seriously have these incredible ideas. If you're stuck and you don't know, well, what do we do? What is our why? How do we get everyone to, 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 to kind of come in around it and, and support this mission? It has to come from them. It has to come from the whole body. You can't just say the dictator status of I'm the CEO and we are going to now give 15% of our profits. That's a lot. You know, now we're going to give 3% of our profits. <laughs> just, we're going to we're gonna have no profit anymore. No. We're going to give 3% of our profits to XYZ nonprofit. This is why we're going to do this. They don't fucking care. Then they're not going to care. Yeah. But if, if Jeannie and George and everybody that's in the back and everyone that's in the warehouse all come, to, come together and pool their ideas, and you come and say, hey, this was the collective of why you guys are working here. Now, everybody here really is, um, I don't know, I'm just going to make shit up now. Everyone is really passionate about dogs. Mm -hmm. Everyone, 90% of you guys here have dogs and really passionate about dogs and, and uh, homelessness of dogs or whatever the fuck it is, you know. Uh, <laughs> right. Hey, and we are going to, we're going to, um, you know, donate profits back to supporting 
uh, dog homeless shelters or helping dogs get foster parents or whatever the thing is. And people are going to care about that. They're going to say, I, I love dogs. And my company, uh, you know, helps dogs not well, have to go to the yeah. or whatever the well, thing is. All I'm mean, thinking about is the cool. Sarah McLaughlin video right now of the, of the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't sing worth anything so i'm glad you did that but yeah. but yeah. think about it like but you've got all these homeless dogs but you, you, you and that's where i think you hit a huge uh point um when we were in one of our uh, get togethers of like making it simple right so like i think what a lot of people do and a lot of and and i think there's the i challenge that the the baby boomers who are listening to like really like think about this and not just pretend like hey like because we we used to write checks to charities man when we had our company no one gives a shit it means nothing yeah no, yeah no, and no. then the charities like how many how many charities <sighs> actually manage the funds correctly because it goes yeah. to the executive director and then yeah. like you know so great there was one percent of one percent that went yeah. to like the meal yeah. at the homeless yeah, person right. but yeah and you know it's making it like actually like tangible right like so whether in the steel rod thing like making shelter like making cages for animals or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the clear benefit of starting a company with a mission before you build it is like, it can be whatever the fuck you want it to be. You know, if you're passionate about like, I don't know, drinking Celsius or like trees or whatever it is, I mean, that's the clear benefit, but yeah, I mean, obviously there are hundreds and thousands of companies out there now that, that, that haven't, for those that haven't started with a mission, they're going to have to pool those ideas and those concepts because frankly, if, you know, like, let's say I have a, a, a hundred employees and I'm super passionate about dogs, but my employees aren't, I say, Hey, we're going to give 3% of our profits to dog homeless shelters. That's going to de-incentivize them. They're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't care about dogs. I want like to pay, I want to get paid more or, you know, yep. I, I want better healthcare. Or, like, you know, I want to protect the park that we all go to, you know, whatever the thing is. So, uh, anyway, no, I think it's, it, it's huge because like, you know, there's a, I mean, I, I'm just thinking about when we were turning our business around, we had to do it because of financial reasons. But so that like, it was, we, we had the the catalyst to do a lot of this stuff, but like, you know, people that don't need to, I mean, I think, you know, and for, this is for my own opinion is that like, you're going to have to. So even if this sounds mushy, gushy, tan, intangible, like I think that you from a competitive reason to keep that bottom line, you have to do it. So even though if you don't. Yeah. Don't you, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I mean, in, in my opinion and in my proven financial opinion, there is a clear reason to do it and it's profitability because <laughs> of larger amounts of sales. Yep. I mean, so I, I'm sure I could, you know, I'm sure you could interview six different social entrepreneurs that would say either A, they wouldn't be in business or B, they wouldn't have nearly the sales or exposure that they do if they didn't have a social mission. I mean, I can almost guarantee you that'd be the case. Would Tom's be successful if they weren't, weren't doing what they're doing? No, their shoes fucking sucked in the beginning. You know what I mean? Seriously. Yeah, I know. They I were canvas like... wrapped shit pieces of like cardboard. <laughs> um, seriously. No, no, I trust me. I always was like, man, someone's paying seventy dollars for that thing. Huh? <laughs> I know. It's like, what the hell? Um, but like, but I, anyway, I, yeah. No, I think you're. I just do think you're right, and so I think you know even at like whatever stage that the business is at, I mean, I just do believe like, even if, you know, people that are not used to getting their employees involved, I mean, it, it, 
to sum it all up, in my opinion, Penny, think about, okay, people are struggling with millennial engagement and like purpose and all these yeah. and profitability and in sales and like this checks all the boxes. So it's like, yep. get your head out of the sand and be like, man, like it's probably worth engaging my employees to figure something out because it solves a lot of problems. Actually. I mean, frankly, I mean, that's, you know, that's why I get excited when we we're talking. I mean, I think that's the opportunity because to be straight up, you know, I mean, I've dealt with, I with a lot of manufacturers dealt with a lot of people that are stuck in their ways and they're not they don't give a shit they're they're not doing this they're not going to implement the social cost but that's an opportunity right yep. i mean yeah yeah so no i appreciate it man like so if there was uh one thing to highlight we know you and i were all over the place but is there you know one thing you actionable or that that uh, something that we haven't covered that you want to leave the listeners what would it be uh, i mean w- one of the things that um you know, for this whole releasing your inner entrepreneur piece uh, that I that I kind of briefly mentioned, um, and really the goal of writing the book, you know, is, is not for a bunch of people to go start businesses. That's a part of it, but um, you know, for you to be more entrepreneurial in the job you're in potentially is 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 a better solution to help save the planet. But is conscious circle, as I call conscious circle. You know, we've all heard the. Um, you are the you are who you surround yourself with, or you know you're the accumulation of the five people you surround yourself with. Show me your friends, I'll show you the future. Right? We've all heard these kind of mm-hmm. um, phrases. And um, what I what I developed and what's in the book as well, um, you know, it's called Conscious Circle. And so it's seven people uh, that you're consciously picking to surround yourself with. And, and the, the key kind of word there is conscious. Is what I've seen a lot. And, and you know, for those of you that want to go start a business, or for those of you who want to be more entrepreneurial. You're going to have to look at your circle. You're going to have to look at the people that you're surrounding yourself with because I guarantee you uh, there's probably a reason um, those people around you are probably the reason you haven't started the thing that you've always wanted to do straight up. So, you know, the, the, the reason why I highlight the conscious part is a lot of times we as humans, I mean, we as humans are programmed to like comfort. We're literally programmed to like comfort. And in order to get out of comfort, we have to consciously do that. You know, mm-hmm. Otherwise, our time gets surrounded by our friends, our family, our coworkers that just happen to exist in that space. Yep. And when I realized, at least in my life, you know, fuck, I don't want to, you know, I looked at the kind of people I surrounded myself with. I'm like, well, that's not who I want to be. <laughs> so who do I want to be like? And I literally wrote down a list of the, the people that I wanted to be like. And I had to consciously think, even now I have you know, my list. And I consciously think about, I need to, if I want to be more like the person, I have to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. So who are the seven people I'm spending time with and consciously spending time with them and engaging with them in order to be the person that I want to become. For example, you know, two or so um, years ago, uh, basic guy realized, you know, I'm a, I'm a religious guy, spiritual guy. And I realized, man, I really don't have anyone in my circle that is religious or spiritual anymore. I just kind of gotten on this entrepreneurship path and realized Oh, there's really no one in my life that can surround me with the spiritual talk that I want to be having. I want to be a more spiritual person when I have wife, kids, all that kind of stuff. So I consciously addressed that and said, well, you know, I got to make change here. So I literally had to, you know, basically take two people out of the circle and go find two people that I wanted to surround myself with that were more spiritual. One of them was my spiritual uh, and mentorship coach now that I have, and I still have, who is incredible uh, and who I see usually like every other week and then another one is a really good friend of mine uh as well but i had to consciously think about that and i had to consciously like replace that and stop hanging out with those other two people um and it wasn't like uh you know that's not an easy thing it's not an easy thing to say well you know we've been hanging out for a while or like we're buddies or whatever but like frank i don't 
want to be like you, you know, I don't, but surrounding myself with you is turning me into you. Mm-hmm. So anyway, one example, something to think about. I really dive into it deep in my book. Um, so I would say go check out the book. Awesome. And we're going to be linking to the book for everybody too. And um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? What's the Woodchuck website and that, yeah. you find the book, everything. Yeah, totally. Um, Woodchuck website is woodchuckusa.com. Uh, my website is benvw, as in Victor and Walrus.com. Yeah, check it out. Leave a, leave a review on Amazon. Contact me if you're interested uh, in having me come out and, and help your team um, formulate that why. Love it, Ben. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Have a great one. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I had a blast, if you probably could tell. It's just really fun hearing someone that passionate about business. And it's not just manufacturing. It's really using your business to change people's lives, your customers' lives, the world. I mean, talk about a dream come true when you can check all those boxes at once. So I really challenge anybody that does not have a, not just the why, which, you know, a lot of people have seen the Simon Sinek, but what is the true impact that you're having on the world and not just your bottom line because as you start to see the true impact and the true mission creates profits so i think a lot of people over the years have had you know maybe a couple things out of order and sit down and really think what can you do to change the world using your business because not only is it going to help you make more money currently have fun in your business but it's going to make your business more valuable and more appealing to another buyer that believes what you believe if you want to know more about these topics first of all pick up ben's book and then second of all there's a bunch of other ones that i would highly recommend one being conscious capitalism totally life and game changer and how you look at the business in the world Second one will be The Prosperity Paradox. And then obviously any of those other books that we were mentioning throughout the show, which they'll all be in the show notes and links to the different websites for the books. If you enjoyed this episode and you're enjoying my show, please go into iTunes, give me a rating. It's how I get people like Ben and other thought leaders on the show because I love the topics that we're talking about and I love bringing information to you guys. So with that being said, I will see you next week.